0: Well, good evening and welcome to uh, Yada Yada Radio. A pleasure to be uh, with you this evening. I understand that our uh, social media marketing effort is uh, once again in the Philadelphia metropolitan area. So uh, we uh, welcome uh, all of our listeners uh, from uh, that region. I hope that uh, this show provides the kind of information that helps you better understand who God is, what he is offering and what he expects in return. A couple of items in the news. Uh, you've probably noticed that the Wisconsin parade attacker. Uh, this is a fellow that, that drove a uh, uh, an SUV uh, into a crowd of uh, of uh, parade walkers. Uh, he killed uh, six people, injured uh, dozens of others. Um, one of the people he killed was a young child. Another, uh, uh, several were uh, were elderly. His name is uh, Daryl Brooks. And I just wonder, since uh, Black Lives Matter has a conniption fit, if a, uh, a white person kills a, a black person, why there is no plea? Why there are no protests or riots or courtroom uh, watches or media wringing their hands when Daryl Brooks uh, pleaded not guilty He was, of course, released on parole for uh, uh, aggressive uh, felonies, uh, violent uh, attacks uh, of uh, of others. So he's been a thug for a long time. Um, Perhaps someone can tell me why black lives matter. Uh, It doesn't matter if the black life is a thug and a murderer. Hmm. You know the answer to that one? It's no, said no. kind of a double standard, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, care. We'll call it. We'll call to it. Hypocrisy. Hit their agenda. Yeah, let's call it hypocrisy. Uh, I don't know if you know but uh, in the last week, um, maybe uh, two weeks, in southern France, uh, a Neanderthal uh, cave was uh, was discovered that showed that you know science has been completely wrong on the interactions and the timeline between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals. As it turned out they uh, actually got along splendidly. They um, mm-hmm. uh, cohabitated. They uh, uh, were able to conceive and bear uh, children together. Uh, they shared the same habitat and they lived alongside one another for you know, somewhere around 50 to 60 thousand mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. you know that's one of the things that always uh, gets my goat. when they say we're we're following the science and yet science is uh quite often wrong there is no aspect of this that is consistent with the uh the science of it it's like the uh, the whole uh, uh issue the COVID 19 and the liberal politicians mm-hmm. say we're following the science would you please tell me uh, what science has to do with, uh, uh, the depreciation of your currency when you deficit spend, could you please tell me what science has to do with the trade-off between sexual ab- abuse, drug abuse, um, uh, suicide, uh, when you, um, deprive people of their liberty and, uh, and, and deprive them of social outlets. Can you tell me what science has to do with, uh, the, uh, the problem of people being paid not to work ever wanting to go back to work again. Do they understand how to make judgment calls or is it strictly, well, if you want less people in the hospital, uh, put a mask on everybody, uh, inject them and uh, don't let them uh, do anything. And Oh, by the way, shut down every business. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an excuse for we're incapable of thinking. Now, now that uh, COVID has uh, run its course, we're right back to where I said we would be, which is that the mortality rate on uh, on COVID is uh, within the range of the flu. Uh, It is more contagious than the flu, certainly. But uh, the mistakes that we made are that, A, we didn't put on masks uh, early enough. Uh, That was what the Torah advised. B, we didn't Mm -hmm. isolate people, which is also what the Torah advised. The Torah says, you know, if you have a pandemic, Get the people that are infected out no, of Dodge. Down. Right. Yeah, and what we did is we did the single dumbest thing you could possibly do. We put, put them in the hospital, folks. which is where all <laughs> the six folks were. And then if somebody died of three different uh, comorbidities, if they happened to have COVID when they died, we called it a COVID death. And so we grossly inflated the number of people that actually died of, uh, of COVID. Uh, there is almost nothing that we did that made any sense. It turned out not to matter in the end. Uh, there was no benefit with uh, shutting down people's livelihoods and businesses. There was no uh, – but there was a tragic consequence. We've screwed up the economy. We have uh, raging inflation. We uh, have supply lines that are so screwed up that if you go to the market, if you go to the home improvement store, the shelves are bare. You. You want to pay for raw materials, they're two or three times what they uh, were prior to mm-hmm. them screwing this up. And of course, suicide and uh, drug abuse, uh, alcoholism are all exponentially higher than they were before we went into this. Uh, we did everything wrong. And I don't know if it's we me did, Craig, but made I'm touching made... about every third or fourth word you're saying right now. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if that's uh, yeah. uniform within the uh the chat room um, but we will uh we'll say if in the chat room others say the same thing that we'll uh we'll try uh, we'll try something else, but typically, if I hang up and call back in uh, that does not work all right so uh I've been talking about the Russian situation now for probably six weeks, and over the past six weeks, one of the things that I have found is that uh what we're essentially doing is that we kicked a whole lot of sand in, uh, in Russia's face. Let's call Russia Putin just because that seems to be fun to do. So we, uh, we overthrew the properly elected government and started to bribe the, the dependents, the unruly children that were, uh, were there. We started to arm them. Then we talked about bringing them into NATO, and we uh, brought more and more troops and more and more arms into, into the Ukraine. And then when uh, Russia responded, Putin responded, as uh, Kennedy did during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and said, no, 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 this is not appropriate. We do not want uh, Western weapons, NATO weapons, American weapons along our border. It's, uh, it's not reasonable stop it uh rather than being kennedy and uh, and the administration said yeah, yeah yeah okay so what you caught us uh, uh you know i understand you're responding to the missiles that we put in turkey i'll tell you what we'll uh, we'll pledge that we won't invade cuba we'll pull our uh, missiles out of turkey you pull yours out of cuba we'll avoid a nuclear war but no the numbskulls we have in Washington, the Biden administration, says, no, i got a better idea. Let's spit in Russia's face. Let's say, heck no, we're not going to pull any of our weapons out. In fact, if they want more, we're going to bring more in. They want to become part of NATO, let them become part of NATO. We're going to do to the Ukraine what we did to Turkey, and we don't give a crap what you think. So let's go ahead and see how uh, World War III works. That's essentially what we're doing. We're just oh, yeah. unbelievably stupid. And, and what's amazing about all of this is that the U.S. media is incapable of seeing this as, uh, as a rerun of the Cuban Missile Crisis or the belligerence of our State Department, of our uh, NATO alliance, of, uh, of this administration. I don't know how many times you can spit in somebody's face before uh, – and, and say, you know, na-na-na-na-na, uh, we're, uh, we're t- telling the media that if you hit us back, then uh, we're going to steal all of your toys, we're going to take all of your money, we're not going to do anything, business with you anymore. If we taunt you into hitting us, then it's over for you. And how many? You know, the Russians are proud people. How much can they take of that? Before you give them no choice but to lash out, which seems to be the plan. that uh, This administration wants to be a wartime president. It is uh, exceedingly sad what we have done and our inability to think. Now I want to return, uh, and we're going to postpone for a couple of weeks, our review, our conclusion of uh, the celebration of Yom Kippurum, uh which we were... Uh, nearing the completion of Zachariah, we still had uh, Malachi to, uh, to cover to understand the single most important day uh, in the history, was, really, of uh, yeah. uh, the universe and of, uh, of humankind, which is when Yahweh returns to reconcile his relationship with Israel and Yehudem. So we will return to that. Uh, I have been translating what is now chapter 10 of the third volume of An Introduction to God, um, the uh, prophecies about the Torah uh, and what the prophet had to say about Yahweh's Torah, uh, beginning in the 30th chapter of Yahshua, and we're going to run into the 41st and into the 42nd. And so I'd like to pick back up where we were, And, and the reason for this is it does such a marvelous job of explaining where we are. And by we... Where Yahweh's people are, where Jews are relative to God, what God's perception is of his people, and where they need to get to, where they need to go, what they need to understand if they want to be among the remnant that is celebrating his return on Yom Kippurim, or among the vast majority who will rue that day. So I don't know if there's anything more important to God's target audience than what he has to say in Yahshua 30, 41, and 42. Um, Because if you don't come to appreciate how much God despises rabbinic Judaism, and rabbis specifically, if you aren't capable of understanding that, Uh, then there is no hope for you to establish a relationship with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So I want to reprise where we were. uh, uh, We went a little past this, but let's kind of go back to uh, Yahshua 30, 12, and 13, and we'll take it from there. Uh, God says, and and at this point, uh, Yahweh is the speaker. And he says, and as a result, therefore. Here and now, this is what the set-apart one of Yisrael says. Because you reject and despise this particular message and these specific words while instead relying upon extortion, control, the mistreatment of others, for unjust gain, and you rejoice and depend upon it, so likewise shall be it for you. This is a tough medicine. God Mm -hmm. is saying that Judaism is extortion, that it's a control mechanism, that it is mistreating his people. And if you look at the Herodim in, in Israel, uh, they are parasites. They are dependent upon handouts from the government. These handouts were developed because uh, Netanyahu needed the ultra-Orthodox Jews to be part of his coalition to become prime minister and to stay as prime minister. And so he got them to side with him by giving them ever larger stipends uh, to yeah, bribe, go bribe. to yeshiva, yeah. go, go to spend all day being religious and not working. And they're breeding mm-hmm. like rabbits because there's such a, a state-sponsored benefit of doing nothing with your life other than being religious. And now that they're even trying to say, you know, in Israel, everybody serves in the IDF except the Herodim. Now, there are some, but very few. And some Herodim work, but relatively few. They're just a net parasite. And God says, so they're extorting his people. And when we look at the earnings of rabbis, they make almost three times more than the average cleric. And it's because they have a fee for everything. And they control much of Israel. You can't be part of of immigration to Israel without their blessing. And their determination of who's a Jew or not goes way beyond who was your mother, by the way, and that's not Yahweh's test, but that's theirs. But it goes way beyond that. It's, is there an ultra-Orthodox rabbi who will endorse you? Because they don't want anybody coming to Israel who isn't ultra-Orthodox because it will dilute their political control over the country and therefore their ability to side with um, others, to form a government where they receive these concessions. So God views Judaism. He's talking to his people. And he says, as a result, therefore, here and now, this is what the set-apart one of Yisrael says, because you reject and despise this particular message and these specific words. Which words? Yahshua's words. Yahshua from beginning to end is based on only two things. Judaism and the politics of Israel are reprehensible, an abomination to God. And those that adhere to the political and religious mandates of Israel are going to be annihilated by God. And the second uh, part of that is that Yahweh is returning. He's returning with Dode, And he has offered his Torah for us to learn who he is, understand what he's offering, and appreciate what he's asking in return. Those are the only two things. So these words are Judaism is an abomination to God. By the way, if you're listening for the first time and, and you think that that's anti-Semitic to say Judaism is an, uh, an abomination to God, then you would be accusing God, Yahweh, of being anti-Semitic. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you what he has to say. I happen to agree with him. But that's what he has to say. And God can't be anti-Semitic because it would be that's Shem in the name. name. And yeah. he uh, or, is very proud of his name. His name is Yahweh. One of the biggest problems he has with Judaism is they completely ignore his name. In fact, they've written it out of their lives and out of their religion. So God goes on to say that Judaism is extortion. It's a control mechanism. Now, all religions are control mechanisms. And understand that I'm not sitting here talking to you as a Christian because I'm not a Christian. And If you want to know my stance on Christianity... Read the four volumes of Questioning Paul. In those four volumes, we destroy, annihilate, the credibility of the Christian New Testament, and prove that Paul was demon possessed. And it's for damn sure we're not pro-Islam. I've written but probably the most read book, the most effective Even. book yet mm-hmm. ever on uh, on proving that Muhammad was. A terrorist, a pedophile, a rapist, a mass murderer amongst the worst people who ever lived. So I'm not sitting here coming to you as a secularist. I'm not a progressive. We, uh, we also uh progressives. Uh, they're the most thoughtless, irrational people on the planet. Uh, we're not coming to you as a, uh, as a Christian. Uh, there is no Jesus Christ and the Christian New Testament is counterproductive. I'm coming to you as Yahweh's witness, as someone he has appointed to convey this message to you so that you will leave Judaism and come home. And so the last thing that we are is anti-Semitic. But we're also like Yahshua, we're going to tell you the truth because you need to hear it. So then it goes on to say, and you rejoice and depend on it. This is God saying, you actually celebrate it. Oh, God, look at the idiots bobbing their heads as if their brains are about ready to fall out, and their ritualistic prayers, Mm -hmm. they're enjoying it. They think it's swell. They depend on it. So God says, turn about's fair play. You're going to be controlling, you're going to extort others, you're going to rejoice over this evil. I'm going to slather you with it. This is your sign, wear it. Then he says, this depravity. Ha ewon ha ze this specific failing. This guilt, this iniquity, and its consequence shall result in the likes of a breach which is a weakness about to collapse and an elaborate defense mechanism which will suddenly and unexpectedly come to be fractured fall and crashed down crippling in an instant So, you know one of the things that's really interesting about rabbinic uh, judaism uh, particularly with the, uh, the ultra-Orthodox and the Herodim, they completely isolate their stooges. The idiots that believe them are in an intellectual ghetto. You know, they have kosher phones that don't have Internet access. They can't even call uh, helplines when uh, the rabbis prey on little mm-hmm. people. They are completely in the dark because of the control mechanism that has been placed on them by the rabbi. And we're not trying to save them. Not trying to awaken them. If you're Herodim, just be miserable all by yourself. For those that know it's wrong and you're looking for right, we're happy to help. But from God's point of view, it is pure depravity. And what The Herodim do is that they assign people that they think they can trust uh, to attack, to slander those like myself. Now, there aren't a lot of of us out there, so we're quite a target. God says we're going to be a target. And so they will do everything they can to slander us so that any questioning Jew that's listening to this message will reject it not on its merits but based upon their misappropriation of it and their slander and so that defense mechanism arguing in essence against the one source of valid information about who Yahweh is when he's returning What he's offering and what he's asking you, of you, to be part of his covenant, God says it's going to collapse and it's going to come crashing down on them in the blink of an eye. In an instant. So this is co. Now, you are co here if you are a Jew. It is the Laken result of having antagonized Yahweh by having misled and abused his people for far too long. Because Israelites have come to prefer their political and religious leaders, their heritage and culture, even identifying with their long history of suffering, over trusting Yahweh, they have brought this upon themselves. At the beginning of of this presentation, which we began at the beginning uh, last week, I uh, warned uh, uh, those who would listen that if you are Jewish, you wouldn't much like what you're going to hear. And yet rejecting this message, spurning it in hopes that it'll all go away, isn't going to change anything. The malfeasance of the rabbis is deeply entrenched. They have been in control and in a position to extort Jews, gleefully taking unfair advantage of their brethren for 20 centuries. But fortunately, we don't have a lot of time left. We are within, now in the early months of 2022, we are just over 11 years away from Yahweh's return, and prior to that time. It will come crashing down. What they have done uh, will be done to them, is what God's saying. Of that, there is no question. Sure. So, only one remains. Are you going to be standing beside them and be buried along with them? God hasn't got a single prophecy wrong. Not one in three thousand four hundred and fifty years. Not one. And I can assure you, he doesn't have this one wrong either. JB, I think it's your, uh, your microphone that has a whole lot of background uh, noise that uh, uh, may be a problem for our listeners. Uh, Yahweh okay. has called today's Jewish leaders, particularly rabbis, a uh, depraved and perverse. And he compares this failing to a breach in an elaborate defense mechanism which is on the verge of collapse. He even warns you that their demise will come suddenly, unexpectedly, without warning. Uh, actually, he didn't say without warning, did he? Hmm. He said it's going to come unexpectedly for them, but you were just warned. So you can't say it's without warning. God just told you it's going to happen. The grand edifice of Judaism is fractured and will soon fall. Then God reveals that as Judaism's defenses are shattered and collapse, there will not be a single artifact, artifact of the religion left unscathed. Nothing to be found among the fragments of the religion. Not even a shard to remove fire from a hearth or to scoop so much as a drop of water from a cistern. The nine candle menorahs will be gone. Mm-hmm. You won't find anything. No stars (laughs) of David. No Talmuds. They're all gone. For thus, says Yahweh, the set-apart one of Yisra'ev, had you changed your opinions and altered your beliefs to return, you would have been freed, finding tranquility and compassion And you would have chosen your own fate, which is to be delivered from harm's way and saved, Yasha, in a most favorable and in a whole lot quieter circumstance. And by trusting and relying, you would have been strengthened and empowered. However, most of you were unwilling to consent. So God said, it's all there for you. All you had to do is walk away from religion and politics. It's the first condition of the covenant. It's the first thing Yahweh asked Abraham to do. Long before he was even Abraham, as he was Abram, the first thing God said to do is walk away from your country, from the family of man, from your society. And he, of course, was walking away from where? From Babylon. Babylon. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, what is the name of the Talmud that the Jews revere? <laughs> Babylonian Talmud. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, but didn't. That's essentially, what God is saying here: you had all the opportunity of the world. You do. If you're listening to this program, you have the option of choosing Yahweh over the rabbis. You will lose nothing and gain everything in return. Sure, you'll have a bunch of Jews that are going to, religious Jews that are going to try to slime your reputation and attack you and call you all sorts of disgusting names. But the very fact that they do that to you for having chosen Yahweh tells you you don't want to be part of them. The very fact that they would treat you like that reveals exactly what they're like. How dare you walk away from us Allow to be with God? Yeah. Who do you think you are to choose God over us? Yahweh well, didn't ask much. Only that Israel changed their opinions regarding him and his Torah, preferring the Torah over the Talmud. Had they, Shuba been willing to alter their beliefs and return, had they reconsidered the religion that had cost them so much, they would have been restored to fellowship. The drone of shrill voices of the rabbis would have subsided, muffled under their collapsed defenses, leaving the remaining Yehudim in a much quieter and more satisfying circumstance. Such is the prerequisite of the covenant, Upon withdrawing from Babel, confusion, Babylon, religion, and politics, we can confidently trust and rely upon Yahweh to strengthen and empower us. But alas, Yahweh needs our consent to save us. Isn't that interesting? God can't save you without your consent. Now, I understand that in rabbinic Judaism, there is no salvation. But with Yahweh, there is. It's actually an afterthought, which is uh, very strange for the religious, the Christian probably can't even fathom that, nor can the Muslim, uh, that uh, God's primary objective is not to save us. His primary objective is for us to get to know him, Mm -hmm. as he really is, and then for us to come to respect him, and then to trust him and then to appreciate what he is asking of us and what he is offering to us so that we might choose to be with him. Salvation happens to be a byproduct of all of that. The primary gifts of choosing to be with Yahweh, being part of the, the covenant, are first, we become like God, like light, we become immortal. Second, like light, like God, We are perfected. Our souls look perfect in his presence. How do you think it was possible for Yahweh to constantly tell us that Dod was Sadak, right, when he had more flaws than hairs on his head? It's because immersed in the set-apart spirit, being right about God, caused God to see him as perfect. Third, God adopts us. That's the purpose of Bukurim, a date not celebrated by religious Jews. But then again, the day that we are perfected by God is another one not celebrated. Matzah has simply been relegated to an ingredient that is missing during Pesach. I don't even get Pesach right because the plate is filled with things that Cain would have delighted in, but not able. So God then says 1,000 will be warned and proven wrong at the appearance of one. When confronted by the presence of five who criticize, admonish, reprimand, and correct, you will flee until as a result of the witness, you are part of the remnant which is spared like a beacon upon a solitary standard upon the summit of the mountain, like the Nesh sign, banner, which is lifted up and displayed upon the highest elevation. Yasha has a, uh, a bromance. Um, mm-hmm. He is uh, uh, ecstatic that Yahweh chose a choder at um, uh, places he's also called the Nakri. Uh, Yasha will refer to him as a Zoroa. Um and Yahweh will introduce him later as a Bashar a herald this individual is very intriguing to Yahweh so what he's talking about the one will uh, warn and prove a thousand wrong uh He's speaking of of that one, that uh, he knows that Yahweh has equipped because the one he has equipped is going to share Yahshua's message so that it finally resonates. Yahshua is one of my very, very favorite people who's ever lived. He was a magnificent servant of Yah and prophet. And yet, as well as he did his job, during his lifetime... There's no evidence that a single Yehudim listened to him. When, the, when Yahweh invited him up to Shamaim and he was there and Yahweh opened the door to heaven and he looked out, there wasn't a single Jew standing outside, not one. Uh, no Goyim either. Not a single person. Mm-hmm. Yahweh said, oh, woe is me. I have been a complete failure. And Yahweh said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You're, you've done a marvelous job. And then to console Yahshua says, you want to see how your words will ultimately resonate in bringing so many of your brethren to this door? Let me show you. And so it's true that Yahshua cares about and is excited about the work Yahweh is doing through this individual. And so that's the one. So who are the five? Who are the five voices? Well, I think they include Moshe sharing the Torah. Mm-hmm. Dod, singing the Mizbah. Yashaya, professing these prophecies. And of course, the two witnesses. El Yaz one. The other is the Chodor. Since it has been his responsibility to compose the Nesh, which is being lifted up at this time. As a result of their co- collective witness, a remnant of Yisrael will be spared, and they will become the standard upon which the Nesh sign is raised. If you would like to read that Nesh sign before it is lifted up upon the remnant of Yisrael, go to Yada.com to know Yah. Go to yadaya.com. I would recommend starting with Volume 1, of an introduction to God. Volume two, volume three are there for you to read, as are the first six volumes of Yada Yahwa. And then five volumes of coming or two volumes of coming home preceded by five volumes of observations. And therefore Yahweh is waiting. He is expecting and he is desiring this result to approach you, to be merciful and compassionate, generous and caring. Further, as a result, he is lifting up on high, proud to raise you in love. Indeed, Yahweh is the God who inspires, making informed and rational decisions about the means to appropriately resolve disputes, Blessed and happy, in a most favorable circumstance are those who have walked along the path to receive the benefits of the relationship. Asheri, all who confidently wait, expecting Him. This is Yashaya Yahweh liberates and saves, Isaiah thirty eighteen. This is the other option. You know, we talked about a long time ago the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Mm-hmm. Good and bad, yes. this is This is the good. Rabbinic Judaism is the bad. And therefore, Yahweh is waiting. He is expecting and desiring this result to approach you, being merciful and compassionate, generous and caring. But I guess to benefit from that, It's rather important to know who God is. And he's not Hashem. He's not G-D. He's not Adonai. He sure as hell ain't Jesus Christ. Hmm. Damn sure he's not Allah. Uh. His name, and he only has one of them, is Yahweh. Exceedingly easy to pronounce. It's comprised of four vowels, one of which is repeated. Three letters. No one questions the initial letter. It's the first letter in Yisrael. It's the first letter in Ya'ud, which has become Jew. It's the first letter in Yashayah, Isaiah. The ah sound is uh, very prevalent in Hebrew. You can find it in Torah. No one has any problem pronouncing Torah. You can find it in Haya, the verb that Yahweh used when introducing himself to Moshe. I am, who for the benefit of the relationship, I say I am. Haya. And the O sound, well, we just mentioned Torah. Where do you think the O comes from in Torah, Torah. if not from the Wa? How about Shalom? Where does the O sound come from in Shalom? The Wa. So, it is Yahweh. Anybody who would tell you any difference is doing nothing but irritating God and depriving you of of one of the great treasures in the universe. But here's Yahweh waiting and expecting you. And he wants to approach you mercifully, compassionately, generously, and caring. All you have to do is to be positively influenced by any of those five? By Moshe? By dot, By Yashaya, By el Or by the final witness, the Choder. Further, as a result, he is lifting up on high, proud to raise you in love. There is a myth in religious circles that... We should bow down and praise God. We should lift up God in prayer and praise. Well, um, guess what? We're really puny compared to him. He does not need to be lifted up. He's already as big and as powerful and as high as he could possibly be. And and even if he weren't, it's for darn sure that we're not capable of lifting him up. That would be stupid. But as our Father it is appropriate for him to get down and lift us up, and that's what he wishes to do. God is in the business of raising children, and to raise children, you must get down on your knees to lift them up. That's what he's saying here. Indeed, Yahweh is a God who inspires making informed and rational decisions about the means to appropriately resolve disputes. We're going to find it mishpat is uh, used throughout this dialogue. God has a lot to say about mishpat. And mishpat is a fairly easy word for us to translate because mishpat Mm -hmm. is one of the many Hebrew words that is a a compound of two words. Uh, Me, which is uh, an interrogatory. It says we ought to question and ponder the who, what, where, why, and how of something. And shafat is to decide. It's to exercise good judgment. It's to be discerning, be discriminating. Judgmental. To be, just, to be fair. So um, Shafat is how you resolve a dispute, how you make an informed and reasonable decision. God, Yahweh, is saying, I'm all about inspiring you, informing you so that you can make a sound, informed, and rational decision about me. And then Asheri. Asheri is based on uh, Asher. Uh, It is uh, the first person pronoun of Asher um, with the Y at the end. Uh, Asher means making progress along a straight and narrow path whose journey through life is right, whose steps are guided in the correct way to give meaning to life. Are all who confidently wait expecting him. God is waiting for us. If you're awaiting God's return, then you will find him ready to greet you in a loving way. Yahweh is anticipating the day of reconciliations and his people's return. Well, I don't know the number of Yehudim who are going to be celebrating this day. I realize that the fortunate few will find Yahweh thrilled to meet them. He is even proud to raise those who have anticipated his return as his sons and daughters. This is a happy day for God and His family. This is Yashayah 30:19. For the people now family, Ki Am, who live and remain Yashab in Zion, which means along the signs posted along the way. And Yerusalem. Yerusalem is uh, a compound of Yaru, which is the basis of Torah, which means source of guidance and direction. And Shalom is on reconciliation. You will weep no more, God says. So this is speaking of the last days, because I can tell you there's been a lot of weeping among Jews, and there will continue to be. It's going to become a very rough world to be Jewish. Uh, rougher than the world that the Jews faced during the, uh, the rise of the Nazis. Yahweh will most assuredly be merciful and kind. Man will be abusive. God will be kind to you. At the sound of your announcement and call for assistance. As soon as he hears it, he will answer you. God's not hard to please. Reach out to him. Tell him you want his help and then seek it by studying his Torah and prophets. Get to know him. Get to know what he is offering and expecting in return. Make an announcement that you want Yahweh to be your Savior and he will respond. It's Good to be a Zion. Uh, Zion and Zionists, it's, uh, God clearly is a Zionist. Zion means signs posted along the way. After all, it's Yahweh who placed them, and he placed those signs along the way between his son's home, the Messiah's home, Dode's home, David's, and his home, mistakenly called the temple. Ten minutes or so ago, I mentioned that Yahweh needs our permission to save us. And Mm -hmm. here we find an affirmation of that. The moment we announce our intent to rely on Him, He will respond generously and generously. Now, before we move on to the next Torah reference, if uh, you are still clinging to the notion of God amending His testimony by the way of Subsequent religious texts, say a Talmud or Zohar. I'd encourage you to pause a moment. and How utterly ridiculous would it be for God to create, to publish, to communicate, and to enable the plan in the Torah at great personal cost to him as he fulfilled it, and then change it with the Talmud. (laughs) <laughs> with the New Testament or the Quran, only then to return to the original plan for the rest of time. If you have a rational answer to that question, send us a letter. That, at this point, um, quite honestly, I wanted mm-hmm. to turn to the 42nd chapter of Yashaya because. In the fourth verse, we'll find the prophet speaking of inheriting uh, his uh, Torah. However, the pronouncement Yahweh is making begins much earlier, way back in the 40th chapter. It's all one discussion that leads to a crescendo. So let's begin there as Yahweh or Yah was shown uh, the events which will precede Yahweh's return, and he is returning with his son, with the Son of God and our Messiah. The fellow's name is doubt, David. In these words, Yahweh is asking us to speak out and address his people so that Jews... Reconsider their political and religious beliefs. This is now Yashaya 41. This is an amazing journey that God's going to take us on, so be prepared. Choose to change your thinking and relent, and you will be comforted and consoled. My people promises your God. Yahudim, Yisrael. Yisrael and Yahudim. Full stop. Those are God's people. Yep. You know, as a Goy, we can partake of the Torah and accept the covenant and attend the Mikra. God has a very specific provision, and that, that there's one Torah for for Yehudim and for Goyim. There's one covenant for both. One set and of covenant. annual invitations to meet with God for both. So we as Goyim can become part of God's family. Equal footing with Yehudim. So long as we do what Yehudim were called to do, which is to observe the Torah. But when God speaks of his people, he is speaking of Yisrael and Yahudah. Full stop. So when God is criticizing his people, he's speaking of Jews. And if he's talking about their behavior vis-a-vis him, their response to him, he's talking about Judaism. It's not that he doesn't care about Christianity. He has a lot of negative things to say about Christianity. He has a lot of negative things to say about Islam. Despises those religions. But neither Judaism Excuse me. Neither Christianity nor Islam have been as hurtful to Jews as has been Judaism, and so God is mostly interested because of His people in criticizing Judaism. So choose to change your thinking, my people. Well, well doesn't that mean that the thinking of God's people is wrong? So yes. if the majority of Jews think that Judaism is, uh, is essential to being Jewish. Not and then the majority of people are wrong about that. Mm-hmm. God didn't say, you know, there's a handful of you that are wrong here. He doesn't say there's a plurality that are wrong. He just says, no, you need to change your thinking and relent to be comforted and consoled, my people. The overwhelming preponderance of God's people are wrong. Well, so are the overwhelming preponderance of Goyim, but God doesn't care as much about the Goyim. No, it's not to say the that as a Goyim you can have a wonderful relationship <laughs> with Yahweh. I do. And it's not to say that a Goyim can't be used mightily with Yahweh. I am. So are you. But the fact of the matter is that God's has always been and will continue to be focused on his people. They are his priority. Goes on to say, speak from the heart, exercising good judgment unto Jerusalem. He wants us to speak openly and candidly. Now, I'll leave. Some would just say, well, I speak from the heart, and the heart is the seat of emotion. Well, then you don't know Hebrew very well. Because in, in ancient Hebrew, the leb, heart, was not the seat of emotion, but the seat of judgment. The liver was the seat of emotion. And so by saying, speak in the heart, he's saying, speak while exercising good judgment unto Jerusalem. Make an announcement to her, summoning her by reciting to her. That indeed her battles will be finished and completed. That has not occurred, has it? This is a no. prophecy of Yahweh <clears throat> saying that when I return, her battles will be over. Why? Because Yahweh is going to wipe out her enemies. <laughs> be a little bit careful there, because while God's me, yeah. quick, exact that, according to God, public enemy number one of His people, rabbis. Of, mm-hmm. That's whom the wall is going to fall on. So make an announcement to her, summoning her by reciting to her that indeed her battles, her time of enduring the presence of armies and her military campaigns will be finished and completed. The key verb there, of course, is kara. Kara is the basis of mikra. The mikre in the plural are the seven invitations to be called out of this world and to meet with God. Those seven mikre do not include Purim. They do not include Hanukkah. They do not include Rosh Hashanah. And the most important day for us, not the most important day for Yahweh, is the day that religious Jews ignore making it nothing more than a missing ingredient for Passover, and that would be matzah. Hmm. It is chag matzah, of which Passover is part. It's not that matzah is, or the lack thereof, is part of Passover. It's Passover is part of matzah, as is bokoram, which is a day that religious Jews don't celebrate either. And, of course, the most important day to Yahweh, Yom Kippuram, the Day of Reconciliations, religious Jews have inverted so that it's a day of affliction the opposite of God's intent make a pronouncement to her summoning her reciting to her call out an invitation to her proclaiming this by reading to her that indeed her battles are over the consequence of her missing the way will be pardoned through restitution causing her to be accepted, regaining favor, because she will obtain from the hand of Yahweh a double portion for all of her errant and mistaken ways. Uh, Israel is God's example, and they've been a really, really, really bad example. And God said, okay, you've uh, you paid for uh, what you have done. Now, get your act together. Stop this religious nonsense. Stop missing the way and you'll be pardoned. I'm ready to accept you. Reach up for my hand. Now, since none of these things occurred in 30 CE, or in 31, 32, or 33, and still most are ongoing, the prophet is addressing God's family, Yehudah and Yisrael, at a future time when the people are no longer religious. (laughs) And the nation's last (laughs) battle has been fought. And what? Yahweh has most assuredly not changed her collective mindset towards, or Israel has not changed her collective mindset towards Yahweh. They won't even say his name. And the people have not been comforted yet. Her battles continue with the worst occurring right after Yosha's departure in 33 CE, both at the hands of Rome. So rest assured, Twistians, this does not apply to you. Even recently, she was forced to fight for her survival as Europeans engaged in ethnic cleansing, a.k.a. genocide, a word that was actually coined to describe racial mass murder, part of the Holocaust. A double portion indeed. She fought for her independence in 1948, her very existence in 1967 and 1973. Further, there will be two enormous battles which are still to come, the Magog War and Armageddon. Therefore, we can conclude with absolute confidence based upon Yahshua 42 that Yahshua 43 was not fulfilled 2,000 years ago. It, therefore, did not apply to uh, Jesus, even if there was such a fellow. It was not written to predict Yosha's experience with Yaukanen in the Yardan, Jordan River. In fact, the entire story of John the Baptist is a myth. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian, believe that your Bible is the inerrant word of God, or how much you identify with Jews for Jesus, find affinity with the Messianics, or love the mythos associated with uh, Yeshua. This does not apply to Yosha. Get over it. Get with the program. God is addressing a witness who will announce his arrival in 2033. And therefore, he is identifying someone today who is sharing this pronouncement with you. A voice calls out, inviting and summoning in the wilderness. Turn around and choose to change direction such such that you are prepared for the way of Yahweh of your own free will, choose to become straightforward and right, making a correct and on-the-level decision regarding the raised highway, an elevated walkway, and a gateway through the dark and lifeless wilderness to approach our God. Yahshia, Isaiah 4.3. No, this was not the line of John the Baptist, that is not when Israel's battles were over; they were just beginning. No, this is a voice speaking to you today, sharing the revelation found in Yashaya. A voice calls out, inviting and summoning in the wilderness, Baha' Midbar, in a desolate and lifeless place where the word is questioned. Turn around. Choose to change direction, such that you are prepared for pana. Alter your approach and perspective, so that you're ready to face Derek. The way, the path of Yahweh this is an accurate transliteration of the name of Eloah, God. Guided by His Torah instructions regarding His haya existence and our shalom reconciliation of your own free will, choose to become straightforward. Choose to be right. Making a correct and on-the-level yatsar. Choose to be direct, reliable, steadfast, standing upright without wavering. This was written in the Peel Imperative regarding this raised highway. An elevated walkway and a gateway through the dark and lifeless wilderness where the word is questioned. Actually, this is, I should say, this is a Rabbah. This is not uh, Bab Midbar. Uh, a Rabbah is, uh, is the feminine of Arab, mm-hmm. which is a barren and desolate wasteland of the unenlightened and uh, unassociated Arabs through the nocturnal swarms of noxious pests, and within the gloomy fabric of commingling, even through Arabia. Which, guess what? That's where the Torah was revealed. <laughs> that's the right. Torah that's was, right. was revealed on Mount Jorab. Mount Jorab yeah. is in Arabia. In Arabia, yeah. So uh, that's uh, where this elevated walkway will emerge, because it emerges from the Torah. Now, Yosha which means Yahweh was saved, that is the name of the Passover lamb, he opened the doorway to life, but he did not speak of, construct, or ask his disciples to build a highway to heaven. It was Moshe and later Dode who revealed how to prepare ourselves so that we are able to walk toward God, even though the darkest and, or through the darkest and most lifeless wilderness. So when this occurs in the waning days preceding Yom Kippuram in the year 6,000 YAH, that's a date that is easily found. Yom Kippur the day of reconciliation, the day YAH was returning for his people in year 6,000 YAH. It happens to be October 2nd, 2033, God would say every depressed place will be raised, Nassau, and each lofty place of illicit worship shall be brought down. And it shall come to be that the insidiously deceitful and deceptive nature of that which is not on the level shall be clear-cut and flattened. The uneven terrain of obstructionist conspiracies which make the way impassable, shall be burst open. So no matter how one were to translate this, how one would to interpret it, clearly has not occurred. And therefore, it did not pertain to Yosha, circa 33 CE. God's target audience is Yehudah. But Mm -hmm. still, there are places where we must speak of expose and condemn Christian myths. And we must do that because Christians have claimed what they call the Old Testament for themselves. And what they've essentially done is they've taken every promise made to Dode. God says that Dode is the son of God. He says that David is the king of kings. He says that Dode is the one returning with him. He anointed Dode three times as the Masiach Dode is the branch he is the chosen one he is the shepherd mm-hmm. and so all of these promises that and, and accolades attributes that were titles that were offered to Dode Christianity stole to say oh no no those don't apply to Dote, even though that's the name that's used God can't keep his name straight Those really apply to Yosha, whose name, by the way, isn't even mentioned. They have misappropriated all of God's titles and attributes of his son, Dod, and afforded them to a misnomer, Jesus, to give that misnomer credibility. And then they've usurped all the promises that Yahweh made to Yisrael and claimed them for themselves. So it is important to expose and condemn Christianity, particularly in passages that Christians claim validate their religion. And let's not lose sight of the fact the Jews created Christianity. All of uh, Paul's letters are the basis of the Christian New Testament. And he was not Jewish. He claimed to be a rabbi. And let's not lose sight of the fact that Christianity has been the most debilitating, most hellish religion in terms of the crimes it has perpetrated against Jews. So it is important that we expose and condemn Christianity even though God's people are Jews. And by the way, there's a whole lot of converso Jews out there. Jews who thought maybe it was a better choice to convert than be killed, to convert rather than be tortured. And so they changed their name, they changed their religion, but they can't change their genes. On Yom Kippuram, the Day of Reconciliations, October 2nd, 2033 at sunset, guess who was coming to celebrate the Mechra? Then the glorious presence of Yahweh will be revealed, become openly known. And the good news is that every living creature will see him all together at the same time. This is true and reliable because the mouth of Yahweh has spoken it. Yashaya 45. You know, and the 13 principles of Rabbinic Judaism. There isn't a single one that says Yahweh is God's name. There isn't a single one that says Yahweh is the one that is returning. And yet that's what this says. There's not a single one that says that the good news is that every living creature will see him at the same time. Not one. But you need to know not only is Yahweh returning, you don't have much time left. He is returning on Yom Kippur and 6,000 Yah, which on our Roman pagan calendars is October 2nd, 2033 at sunset. This is true and reliable. God has never gotten a prophecy wrong, and he's not going to start on this one. So it's a simple question. Why have so many Christians been led to believe that the prophecy foretold in Yahshua 43 pertained to the arrival of Jesus Christ when it undeniably and irrefutably declares that Yahweh's glorious presence shall be revealed and openly known? How is it that When only a few thousand living in Yehudah saw Yahusha at any one time, Christians have managed to ignore the fact that this prophecy is fulfilled only when every living creature will see the glorious appearance of Yahweh the world over at the same time. And since the Christian gospels say otherwise, why would anyone believe them? especially with their mythical accounts of John the Baptist. Oh, by the way, so if you're wondering, how is it possible that everyone would see Yahweh at the same time? Because was coming back as undiminished light. Man will have so destroyed the planet by this time, you won't even be able to see the sun through the muck that is stirred up from a nuclear winter from an asteroid strike from, uh, from World War. It's going to be hellish out there. And then Yahweh's going to come back brilliant, more brilliant than the sun. And so, yes, his presence will envelop the earth, illuminate the earth, and everyone mm-hmm. will be able to see him at the same time. if you were a Jew and listening to this and you do not care what 2.5 billion Christians have been led to believe, I would respectfully encourage you to reconsider. As I've shared, they have misappropriated your prophecies regarding your God, your people, and his return to you. It is vital that you reclaim what they have stolen so that you were among the chosen people gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate his arrival. Along the way, if you don't already, you might also want to learn the name of the Son of God and the Messiah. A voice urges, read and recite Choosing to call out and welcome. So I inquired, what should I read and recite? This is Yashaya speaking. So a voice mm-hmm. urges read and recite, choosing to call out a welcome, Kara. Of your own free will, issue an invitation. So Yashaya says, So what should I read and recite? the good news to every living being because an animal is an abode akin to grass and their entire benefit is like the flowery nature of an engraved plaque on the on a shining memorial on the field in the open and broad way and the abode likened to grass withers the flowery aspect of the engraved plaque on a shining memorial which is with its written inscription, loses its vitality and fades because it is disdained as foolish. All that occurs when the spirit of Yahweh blows away the forgettable and the forgotten. Insightfully and unexpectedly, the people are an abode akin to grass. Their abode of grass withers and it shrivels up. The flowery written inscriptions on the memorial plaques at gravesites are disdained as foolish as they fade away. But the word of our God stands forever. Well, that being the case, there was no reason for a Talmud, no reason no. for a Zohar, no reason for a Quran or a New Testament. It is, our, it is essential to our well-being that we know where God is returning, know when and to whom and we should ponder who he is bringing with him as well. Upon the elevated and exalted mountain, Zion, or it says ascend, Zion, the signs posted along the way, proclaims the good news for you to approach. I didn't know it as I was translating this initially, Mm -hmm. but... God is repeating a word. This is now the fourth time he's used it. Bashar. Bashar is almost always translated flesh in English Bible renditions. Its primary meaning here happens to be though is a a herald proclaiming good news. Is someone making a positive proclamation. Somebody Publishing and announcing a message is the primary meaning of Bashar. As we make our way through this, Yahweh is going to say that he has chosen and supported a Bashar, a herald. And now we know what that herald is going to be proclaiming, because Yahweh has told us all the way through, including that... It is upon the elevated and exalted mountain, which is Mount Moriah, Mm -hmm. that we should ascend. And there are signs posted along the way, which the Herald is proclaiming to you. And it's all there for you to approach the Iowa. Powerfully and with authority, choose to raise your voice, bringing the news making the proclamation. Bashar again. Mm -hmm. Speak out on behalf of Jerusalem. Lift up high and choose to proclaim. Fear not. No longer be intimidated. Don't be anxious or apprehensive, cities of Yahudah. Behold, look up now and see your God. Well, that's going to be wonderful if you know him. Not going to be Mm -hmm. so good if you don't. Yahweh's focus has always been upon Zion, Jerusalem, Yahudah, and Israel, right up to the moment of his return. There is no hint of, indeed no room for, a church in Rome, cathedrals in Washington, London, or Paris, or a mosque in Mecca. Well, actually Petra, but uh, that's another story. (laughs) I look it up there. It's the yeah, day. it's, the yeah, it's, it's why, why just amazing it? that the reality <laughs> is that Islam was conceived and begun, and uh, and Petra had nothing to do with Mecca. Muhammad was never in Mecca, <laughs> but and the Kaaba. Well, that's another one. Oh <laughs> my God! They even got that wrong. But uh, <laughs> there's still millions of numbskulls that are going to go and do their. Hajj and, uh, and, <laughs> and circumambulate the uh, the black meteorite uh, pretending that uh, is uh, is their god, and the black uh, shrouded <laughs> okay, well, rock pile that was moved from Petra. Oh well, uh, behold, uh, you know, exposing and condemning Islam is also important for Jews because, well, Islam is the, the most anti-Semitic religion ever conceived. The, probably also the most overtly satanic. Behold, mm-hmm. I, Yahweh, the upright one, will arrive with a herald and a powerful ruler, Shazak, with a loud blast of a trumpet, with an empowered and passionate person who is mentally disciplined, along with a capable leader and military, with military prowess who is ready to fight and who is intensely prepared and resolutely capable of encouraging, repairing, and defending, who embodies the right character. And then, his capable arm, the one sowing the seeds of truth, Zoroa, will vividly communicate regarding approaching him. There are very few Jews that know that God's name is Yahweh they are very few that know that he himself is going to arrive as for Shazak there is a, a general awareness of Jews that one of the reasons that Yosha whose name they don't like to say uh, could not be the Masiach was that the Masiach's is going to be a fighter he is going to be a strong yeah. and capable individual. But well, there was one of those. He mm-hmm. happens to also be the actual Masiach and the actual son of God. And he was king of Israel. He's the one who united Israel and brought them into Jerusalem. His name is Dod. It means beloved. And a great Dod shepherd is, too. Yeah, Dod is one of four Zoroa. He is my favorite Zoroa, but there are four of them. Understanding who the four Zoroa are is actually important. Um, the first Zaroah, according to God, is Moshe. He's the one who, as a shepherd, led the flock out of the religious and political oppression of Mitzrayim. The second Zoroa is Dode, the Masiyak and Son of God. He is also the Shepherd of Yahweh, assigned to care for Yahweh's flock, who, with a very strong arm, served to protect Yahweh's people. And he has sowed the the seeds of truth through his Mashal and through his Mizmor. According to Yashiyah, there is a fourth Zoroa. He is the Nakri, the Chotar, the Bashara, the last witness. We'll call him the little Z because his job is to share what the prophets shared, to share what, what Moshe conveyed, to share what Dod conveyed, to, to share what Yosha, who is a, another of the Zoroa, has done. Yoshe is the Passover lamb. And so the three great Zeroa have a story to tell, and it is the little Zeroa, the last Zoroa, the final Bashar, who is vividly communicating that story. Look up and pay attention to him. the compensation for his loyalty. And his work, past, present, and future, is right in front of him. Now, there are several ways, as I said, we could have rendered Shazak in this prophetic declaration. Yahweh is arriving to Shadak strengthen, and he will Shazak prevail. Yahweh's arrival will be Shazak heralded by the blast of a trumpet in harmony with the purpose of Teruah. If you're a religious Jew, you don't even know what Teruah is because your religion has replaced Teruah, which is to to sound the trumpet, to call out a warning against religion, mm-hmm. and to call people's attention to Yahweh and his upcoming return that occurs on Teruah. The one proclaiming his arrival will be Shazak, Empowered, passionate, and mentally tough. But also, God's champion will be Shazak. He's going to be a powerful ruler, a, a capable leader with military prowess who is ready to fight. One who is intensely prepared and resolutely capable of encouraging, repairing, and defending his people. It's something that most people don't appreciate, but Yahweh likes fighters. Now, he doesn't like warriors the sense of going off and killing other people for patriotism or for uh, taking something mm-hmm. from others. I'm he is not his thing. But if, it's, if you're fighting to protect his people, if you're fighting his adversaries, if you're battling religion, you're battling negative political influences, uh, God loves that. And so God loves a fighter. Uh, The greatest fighter that Israel ever knew was Dote. Now, he was not a fighter in the sense of Kublai Khan or Genghis Khan or Julius Caesar or Augustus Caesar, who went out uh, to conquer and subjugate other people, like Pharaoh. No, he fought to defend his people. And God likes it when we fight to defend his people. So, the Shazak can represent many things. And many times God uses a term because he wants you to look at the herald who will be strengthened by him. And he wants you to look at the Masiach who is returning with him as a strong leader. Now, in favor of the herald, he will mashal vividly communicate, and that's the uh, the next part of this communication. He will mashal, which means mm-hmm. he will vividly communicate how to approach God. He will mashal explain the proverbs and, par- and uh, parables, in addition to sharing the wisdom of the prophets. He will mashal be speaking in a memorable way, and be fond of making comparisons drawing word pictures, providing a narrative on God's testimony. And he will also, Mashal, be ridiculing those who deserve contempt. In favor of the mighty man, Dode is Mashal, a king, a strong leader, a man with who wisely exercises authority over individuals while governing using words. Dode exemplifies both aspects of Mashal, from being the author of the Mashal to being God's chosen leader. Zoroa is also a title with several legitimate definitions. Two of which could apply to this prophetic announcement. Zoroa is either applicable to Dode as the protective shepherd and the uh, protective ram. Or it speaks of someone who is announcing his return, making this Zoroa a capable arb, serving as a guide on behalf of the flock by sowing the seeds of truth. This leads us to consider who it is that Yahweh is shakar, compensating for his loyalty, for his steadfast devotion, and his service to God's people. What has this individual done, which Yahweh sees not only as prominent, but also God is saying that he identifies with this individual. Now, in the context of vocally announcing the timing and place of Yahweh's return, while preparing an unreceptive people for this extraordinary event, it's hard to discount the message voiced throughout Yada Yawa. After all, if the intent were to ascribe any of this to Dode, why wasn't he mentioned? Dode's name is mentioned one thousand one hundred times when Yawa is speaking of him. Dode's name doesn't appear here. We know that Dode is returning. And we know God's affinity for him and the role he's going to play, but he's not mentioned. And so, in context of of all of this, of vocally announcing all of this, we just have to recognize that uh, if it's Doad, he should have been delineated by name. Yahweh has afforded him the titles of Messiah, son of God, king, shepherd, branch, firstborn, chosen one, Zeruah and prophet, while also telling us that he was preferred over all others, anointed, enveloped in his spirit, right, and that he will return to help us recognize him. So, such may be the uh, the case with the next sentence, Yahweh called Doh to shepherd his flock, uh, the man to shepherd his flock, and, and Dode called Yahweh my shepherd. So God has strong and capable arms, and he's selected for Zoroa to serve his people. Yes, we know that after the announcement has been made by another uh, voice, that Yahweh will return with Dode. So it's time to get down to business. But Are God and king gathering and shepherding the flock, or are they delegating this opportunity to another covenant member? And the answer could be both. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. He will gather the lambs in his strong and capable arms, shepherding, guiding, and protecting them. He will guide, leading those who are being nursed, lifting them up in his lap. Now, as we explain what God just revealed, uh, the mm-hmm. program will stop broadcasting for those who are listening online, but it will continue recording, and those who have called in to the program will continue to hear it. And, of course, 99% of our listens are through uh, the archives uh, and podcasts, So you'll have the opportunity to listen to the program, uh, should you not be able to hear what we're going to say as we close out over the next few minutes. So as we enter the thousand-year celebration of Sukkah, Camping Out with God, there will be distinctions between individuals. Some number of thousands will be spiritual beings who have returned following the Teruwa Harvest. The stars of this day will be the acclaimed remnant of Israelites and Yehudim who are appropriately prepared for Yahweh's return. And while now included within the covenant family, they're going to retain both physical and spiritual qualities throughout this prolonged Sukkah Shabbat. None of these people, however, will need to be led because everyone will have come to benefit from Yahweh inscribing his Torah guidance within them. We are told that in Jeremiah 31. The latter group, as physical beings, however, will conceive children, and they will need guidance, even as they are weaned by their mothers. They will have been born with free will, and thus will need to hear the Torah recited to them to determine whether or not they want to accept it or reject it. And that is the job being assigned to this individual. However, while guiding infants is rewarding and
1: enjoyable,
0: it is not likely the responsibility of Yahweh or Dodd because if they were to intervene in this way, their very presence would make a mockery of free will. Mm, I see that, So the prophet is, therefore, still speaking of the one announcing their return because he is already serving as a teacher. Under the auspices of full disclosure, well, I do not yet fully appreciate the ramifications. At least for some, and for a while, there may be two additional classes of people at this time, during the millennial Shabbat, at least at the beginning of it. Those who Mm -hmm. demonstrated no animosity towards Yehudah and Yisrael may be allowed to enter the millennial Shabbat. Also, there will be recompense for the worst of the offenders with those who abused Jews and forced Jews to serve them in the most menial of capacities. And thus, Uh, they will have to endure what they have perpetrated. Lastly, I'd like to impugn the lingering myth about living with Yawa. We will not be lounging around, getting fat, eating bonbons. God values work. And so we will be given the opportunity to serve alongside as we care for one another and the universe. So for God to assign a job of teaching young people so that they come to know and respect him, this is going to be very common. Uh, God wants to work with us and through us, not alone. It has been his modus operandi since uh, we right from the beginning, yes. This brings us right back to seeking to identify this particular Zoroa since this is the second mention of him in the past two statements. It is possible that it is applicable to Dote, serving as the protective shepherd and the protective ram. It could also speak of the individual who is announcing his return, making this Zoroa a capable arm, serving to guide the flock while sowing the seeds God has provided and cultivating them. Now, it may be uncommon for some of you to listen to someone, equivocate if you wish, uh, to the term, to say it could be this, it could be that. We could define the Mm -hmm. word this way or that way. But that's how we learn. That's how we gain trust. That's how we communicate the things of God. Uh, If a word can mean many things... Who are we to say it only means this one and none of the others? Why would we ever want to shortchange ourselves by only considering a possibility? What happens when we think we're so damn smart that our interpretation is the only one that matters? I think it is much better for us to share the possibilities that this could be speaking of Dode. It could also be speaking of the one who heralds Dode's return, and that you know how these words uh, play out to to facilitate each or each either of those two options, and how they really are not in conflict with each other. Whether it's speaking of the herald who is announcing Dode's return with Yahweh, or it's speaking of Dode's return with Yahweh. Same voice. Okay. Same words. It's the same message, isn't it? But it is healthy. It's healthy for us to share openly how we derive the meaning of these words, what the options are, and how they can be interpreted. God wants us to think. He's not looking for an idiot that does what he's told. Any idiot can do what they're told. It's another thing altogether to come to know and then make the connections, uh, engage in the thought process to understand, and based on that understanding to uh, engage with God on that basis. So as we have also suggested, Yashiyah may be projecting anthropomorphic attributes on God, even though in this circumstance with him returning with his light undiminished, it might be a bit of out of character. Further, we have every reason to conclude that Yahweh will not change his approach upon his return. He has consistently chosen to work with and through those he has selected and equipped to achieve what he wants accomplished. Therefore, this Zoroa is most likely the cherished covenant member whose voice served to announce what we are witnessing in these words. That's what God likes to do. And it's important that we all recognize that, that God choosing to work this way doesn't really make the individual special, unless that individual happens to be Moshe. You know, Moshe was a stutterer. Stutterer. Moshe was an 80-year-old dude when he started this. Moshe was uh, capacity. Yeah. yeah was uh, <laughs> a, a, a refugee, if you will. He had he had skedaddle out of Mizraim because he he killed a guy. Now, he was to have done what he did, but nonetheless, I mean, he wasn't a prize. He became one. God knew what he was doing The guy was brilliant. He had great character and courage. Uh, he was uh, probably the world's greatest orator. Um uh, Dode is one of these uh, Zoroas. Dode uh, boy. We, we get to see Dode warts at all, man. God presents the good the the bad, the beautiful and the ugly as it relates to his son. And I think he does that so that we're not so intimidated that you know that you have to be this that you have to be a moshe to uh to earn uh god's favor uh dote dote is god's most beloved his favorite person in the history of mankind and dude had flaws dude had passions he had yeah for darn sure he had intellect uh darn sure he had backbone and character but he made some bad calls along the way uh but uh clearly he is one of the uh of the zoroa the Zoroa you don't want to follow is Yosha. That was a rotten job. Uh, it's, 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 no, you do no, not no. want to be the Passover lamb. No, you want to benefit from the Passover can lamb. Pull that one off. Yeah, that is yeah. not the job that uh, that's not the job that you uh, you want. Uh, the easiest of these jobs by far. Long hours in a chair uh, translating and studying, but the easier of the four Zoroa is is to read what the other Zoroa Said to contemplate what they did and convey it to Yahweh's people in such a way that it resonates with them, so that they will choose to capitalize on what the Zoroa have provided, which Yahweh is conveying through them, and they will become part of His family. So it is the it's the little Zoroa that's got the uh, the cush job amongst uh, these four. Clearly, there have been four. I would have sworn there were three. I presented the three. It's marvelous that Yahweh tells us that Moshe was the Zerohah, uh, that Dod, we're told, is the Zoroa, and we're told that uh, Yosha is the Passover lamb, is the Zeroa. But Yosha has his uh, Zeroa too. And, and so clearly, there are four. Moshe liberated the Israelites leading them away from religious and political oppression and to the promised land. He was also the voice of the Torah and the conduit for God's greatest gift. Dode was the ultimate shepherd, nurturing and protecting Yahweh's sheep, bringing them together and guiding them within their home. Yosha served as the Passover lamb, opening the doorway to life. And as we know, Yahshua spoke of a fourth and final Zerua, who would call God's people home. With all of the acclaim directed at the Torah, with his soaring prophecies regarding Dode and his compelling portrayal of the Passover lamb in Yahshua 53, the prophet known as Isaiah is cognizant of the realization that there have been three great Zoroa whose role in the lives of God's people are essential, absolutely irreplaceable. And yet, because his focus is on Yahweh's return and the role his prophetic announcements play in shaping what we will soon witness, the final, albeit vastly less significant Zoroa, is of great fascination to this prophet because of the role he plays in proclaiming his words at this time. Based on its use in the Torah, Shemoth, which is Exodus 6.6, 15.16, Bamidbar, which is Numbers 6.9, Debarim, Deuteronomy 4.34, even the Mismur, Psalm 77.15. And Yahshua Isaiah 33.2. Zoroa is used symbolically to present the sacrificial lamb's ability to shoulder our burdens in association with Pesach Passover. But that's not the only way it's used. Zoroa is based on Zerah to sow seeds. And thus it denotes the idea of being productive, being fruitful, in sowing the seeds of truth and of conceiving offspring. No man exhibited these attributes more so than Dode and Moshe. Most Hebrew dictionaries define Zaroah as arm, but that usage is quite rare, occurring just over a dozen of the some 90 references uh, to this term. But to be fair, the Arm and shoulder, like the hand in Hebrew, are almost always identified symbolically, conveying a individual's influence, their capability, their power, their strength, their ability, their productive uh, productivity, their ability to get things done. So, similar to the symbolic usage found here in Yeshia 40, while also being deployed during prophetic references to the last days, we find Zerowah used in Mizmor Psalms 98:1, Yahshua, Isaiah 51:9, 52:10, 63:5, and Yaketsel Ezekiel 23 or 20:33, all addressing Yahweh's ability to vanquish his enemies upon his return. Now, folks, it is uh, it is just getting interesting. Mm-hmm. recognizing that we are pursuing these prophecies to better understand Yahweh's relationship with his people today and tomorrow, and then to more accurately assess what Yahshua, Isaiah scribe in the opening of what is now the 42nd chapter. I'd like to walk uh, you through what is recorded in the 41st. So that you're aware, the entirety of the intervening statements from Yahshua 40.12 through 41.7 focus on Yahweh's role as creator, as the author uh, of the Torah, as the instructor, and as Almighty God. The prophet is reintroducing Yahweh to the people who have forgotten him and worse, to those who are more interested in listening to the rabbis instead of God. And while all of that is beautifully written, it's compelling, it's inspiring, our mission is to remain focused on who you are and why you are still influenced by the Jewish religion and culture when you could be engaged and enduring with God. So we'll begin this and then uh, continue in our next uh, program. Okay. You are Yisrael, individuals who engage and endure with God. My co-worker, Jacob, who is reward in consequence. Whom to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, I chose and tested as the seed of Abraham, my love. You are Yisrael. God is encouraging you to act like it. In fact, while you're at it, act like Yehudah. What does Yehud mean? Beloved of Yah. Beloved. Mm -hmm. Act like Yisrael. Act like Yahud. And as a result of the relationship, I will restore and enable you, reestablishing and empowering you from the far extremities of the earth from the most distant parts of the planet and away from its most powerful people. I will call you out at that time, reading and reciting an invitation to meet and to welcome you individually and to say to you, you are my co-worker, I have chosen and I have evaluated you and I will no longer reject you or spurn you. Yeshayah 4-9. Wow. <laughs> you are Yisrael. You're not Goy. You're not Ascetic. You're not Christians. You're not progressives. You're not communists. You are Yisrael. Individuals who engage and endure with God. Yish, Sarah, El. You are God's associates, his co-workers. You're the descendants of Jacob, whom to show the way to the benefits of the relationship. Yahweh chose. Yes, he tested. Just as he tested Abraham. And as Jacob he is the Zerah. We want to understand Zerah? Based on Zerah, as the Zerah seed, the offspring sown, and cultivated in order to grow and be productive of Abraham, which means merciful father, as well as father of the uproarious multitudes. And it usually is translated as my friend. And it's not a bad thing to have your lover be your friend. Yeah, your friend? But, yeah. but... The fact of the matter is, Ahab means my love. Oh. Listen, I have a tough time with Abraham. I, Abraham did some really, really, really crappy things, and he never does or says anything that's particularly brilliant. He is he's the opposite of Moshe and of Dode, who are brilliant, have character, you know, just these inspiring individuals. Uh, Yashiah inspires me uh, Abraham doesn't but God loved him and you know he, uh, he and he walked away he, he, yeah he did he everything did the Mishnah says to do he did it yeah and I think that's part of the the deal here is that mm-hmm. if you're willing to walk away from Babylon from the confusion and intermixing of, uh, of religion and politics and away from your, your country and your culture and the family of man to God that uh, he'll meet you right there and walk with you all the rest of the way to the promised land. And because it's so rare that someone will do that, God is excited when they do it. And there was something about Abraham's persona that God loved. And, you know, it could be by default that he was the only one willing to do this only one willing to listen to God in this way. And to his credit, he passed the test. Now, for us, it's an open book test. The test is not hard. So this goes on to say that as a result of the relationship, Asher, I will restore mm-hmm. and enable you, reestablishing and re-empowering you. This is Shazak again. This is God saying to Israel. Yisrael, You are my people, and despite everything you've done, I am going to reestablish you. I'm going to re-energize you. I'm going to restore my relationship with you. That's why it's called the Day of Reconciliations. And I'm going to call you and help you and restore you and reestablish you from the far extremities of the earth, from the most distant places in the planet, and away from the most powerful people. Why? Because you're spread out all over Hell's Half Acre. Well, uh, I, I think it's also because of the, it's telling you they're in America. Yes. It's the most powerful country in the world. They, obviously, they speak English, yeah. and they're on the other side of the earth. I mean, this it's is a pretty, prophetic announcement as well. Yeah, I, mean, yes. yeah. Yeah, I think that the uh, that most of this points right to the United States, which is where 42% mm-hmm. of, of Jews live. And it also takes you the time because they were not there before, you know. Now he's, it has to be this time. Yep. It has to be and this voice. he would not have used voice. Kara that I'm calling out to you.
1: Yeah, you if were He's
0: invitation to you. If he wasn't Kara going to meet you during the Mekra based on Kara, mm-hmm. of Yom, Kippuram. Yom Kippuram. Yes, agreed. And I'm going to say to you, you're my coworker. I have chosen and evaluated you, and I will no longer reject or spurn you. Wow, what a promise. What a word. told. Yeah. To. You've just received an engraved invitation from God. Are you going to answer it? Respond, respond. Please. Why don't we pick it up uh, here uh, next week, uh, Kirk? Uh, we've, uh, yes, sir. We're we're a little we're about halfway through uh, this uh, uh, this chapter. Um, it is such a beautiful presentation of where God's people are today, why they're in this mess, who Yahweh is, why He is calling them away from Rabbinic Judaism, uh, what the consequence is of uh, of being religious what the consequences of changing your approach and attitude and listening to Yahweh coming to know him. And then what's going to happen on the day of reconciliations on Yom Kippuram and what role this Bashar plays in trying to awaken God's people so that they're open to his return and ready for his return, anticipating his return and therefore Um, able to be included within his covenant family when God returns. So it's really saying, here is where you are. Here is where I'd like you to be. Let's see if we can uh, make that happen. Um, So there's very few things we could focus on that are more pertinent to God's people at uh, at this time. So wonderful Shabbat. I'm sorry that uh, we weren't able to effectively communicate with JB. I miss him uh, as part of the program. Um, unfortunately, uh, his open mic was the cause of all of that um, background noise. Uh, but we would love to have JB on uh, on future uh, programs. Uh, Kirk, thank you for joining me. We'll look forward to. Yes, sir. Doing this uh next week. I know that I threw you a curveball and said, All right, you'd prepare all of this material for uh <laughs> to finish uh Zachary and, Yeah, <laughs> and here we are, uh, and here we are And, uh Yasha uh, uh again. Oh they've got ya in both their names. That's good. Yeah, got yash, it's got ya in both of their names. This is true. Uh sometimes you just can't help it. You uh you're translating no, something and uh, and you find that it's it's uh, so explicit, um, so pertinent. Couldn't be, couldn't be better. Uh, Could not it be couldn't better. be better. Yeah. So, uh, it's, and part of uh, of doing this is that, yeah, when you really come to know Yahweh, and come to understand who He is, and again, what He is asking from us, what He's offering to us, how the covenant and the, which is the Bereth and the mikre, the invitations uh, work collectively and how they are both presented in the Torah, God's teaching and guidance. Um, you come to love who Yahweh is and his name. There's an understanding that permeates who you are and it empowers you to speak extemporaneously to, uh, to, um, to share God's message with His people in a very uh, dramatic way, if you will, a compelling manner, um, a manner that encourages God's people to to think, and uh, and just sometimes our passion for what God says dictates what we're going to share next, that's cool. and that's, that's really yeah, where yeah, we keep, have good plan. Yeah. And you know, I uh, as I think many of the uh, of those who are part of this know it. Uh, before the sun rises here, uh, yeah, I guess that's uh before six uh and Atlantic time, that's uh two AM on the uh the left coast. We're mm-hmm. sitting in this chair translating and thinking, contemplating about what God said. Uh and it's we come to the end of the day. It's hard not to want to share what we learned uh, each and and every day. And and this has been an extraordinary week for learning. And so that's part of the the thrill of doing this is to be able to share with the family, what we have learned. So happy Shabbat to one and all and enjoy this uh, time. We will, uh, most of, uh, of, um, the Introduction to God, Volume 3, is already available at the com site, uh, and we will uh, get the rest of it, I think, in uh, in about two weeks. I'll have the rest, which will include this particular chapter. Um, but it's a uh, all three of those books, uh, Introduction to God, Volume 1, 2, and 3, are extraordinary reads, um, perfectly suited uh, for... Anyone who is interested in coming to know who God is, what he's offering, what he's asking in return, I don't think there's a better place to start. And there's so much beyond that, so much to learn, meat to to digest as we explore everything from the creation account to the covenant, to even the flood, to what uh, what uh, uh, the meaning and purpose is of each of the seven Moed Mikrei, and then... Uh, we take a journey through the uh, Mashal, the Proverbs, and how that leads us uh, into Yashaya and begin our journey through Yashaya and coming home, and then begin to celebrate the Bisbor, the Psalms um, of, uh, of Dod, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Messiah, uh, in coming home. There's a lot to learn. I, I don't even know how many pages of information, but I think we're, we're uh, coming up on 21 or 22 new volumes. Um, you know, There's also the four volumes of Questioning Paul for those who want to know how it is that uh, Christians manage to pervert God's testimony to justify uh, such an anti-Semitic religion. It's all there for your nourishment, for your edification. It's all there, free on the site, and it's uh, royalty free at uh, Amazon. Should you uh, choose to uh, enjoy the tactile experience of a printed book, and they're beautiful now. We, uh, they're, the entire series, and uh, they're gold, blue, and white. Um, uh, it's a look we're very proud of, and I think you would be proud to study them as well. Well, may Yahweh bless. We'll be with you next week. We look forward to uh, sharing uh, more from the prophet Yahshua. Yahweh bless you all. Good night. Good night.